Good evening and welcome to yet another exciting edition and episode of the FIFA World Cup show. Wherever you are, whether you're on the African continent, Asia, Europe, Australia, Oceania, Americas, this is the most exciting, informative and educative sports show on the calling platform. With yours truly, Philip Alimo. I have love for sports. I welcome you, especially, yes, you, my cherished audience and listener, to this special edition of the FIFA World Cup show. We continue with our FIFA World Cup Classic Player Series. We started with a true icon of world football, that is Pelé, and how he came across with the term beautiful game. We also went on to talk about Diego Maradona, Joanne Cruyff, Eusebio, Roger Mela, Frank Bakemba, Garincho, Ferran Pushkas on our first and second series of the FIFA Classic Player. Today, on our last and third series, we'll be looking at Paolo Rossi, Mario Kempis, Bobby Charlton, and Fritz Walter. I'll be telling you more about these people and how they've impacted the game and how they've made a lasting impact on the beautiful game of football. So tonight, wherever you are, welcome. Sit back, relax, and enjoy as I take you on this beautiful cruise and journey as we prepare for the 22nd edition of the FIFA World Cup to be hosted in Qatar and the Middle East for the very first time. Who is Paolo Rossi? Paolo Rossi was born on the 23rd of September, 1956 and died only last year, 9th December, 2020. He was an Italian professional footballer who played as a forward. He led Italy to the 1982 FIFA World Cup title, scoring six goals to win the Golden Boot as a top scorer and the Golden Ball for the player of the tournament. 
Rossi is one of three players to have won all three awards at the World Cup, along with Garincho in 1962 and Mario Kempis in 1978. Rossi was also awarded the 1982 Ballon d'Or as the European Footballer of the Year for his performances. Along with Roberto Baggio, Christian Vieri is Italy's top scorer in World Cup history with nine goals overall. With nine goals overall. At club level, Rossi was also a prolific goal scorer for Vicenza. In 1976, he was signed to Juventus from Vicenza in a co-ownership deal for a world record transfer fee. Vicenza retained his services and he was a top goal scorer in Serie B in 1977, leading his team to promotion to Serie A. The following season, Rossi scored 24 goals to become the first player to top the scoring charts in Serie B and Serie A in consecutive seasons. Rossi made his debut for Juventus in 1981 and went on to win two Serie A titles, the Coppa Italia, the UEFA Cup Winners' Cup, the UEFA Super Cup, and the European Cup. Widely regarded as one of the greatest Italian footballers of all time, Rossi was named in 2004 by Pelé as one of the top 125 greatest living footballers as part of FIFA's 100 celebrations. That is FIFA's centenary celebrations. In the same year, Rosie placed 12th in the UEFA Golden Jubilee Pool. After he retired from football, he worked as a pundit for Sky, Mediaset Premium, Real Sport until his death on 9th December 2020. So tonight on the FIFA World Cup show, we will be reliving the Italy's star's finest moments at the global finals, where he collected the golden ball, golden boots, and FIFA World Cup trophy at Spain, 1982. Let's relive that moment. Italian goal-scoring machine Paolo Rossi made his name at the 1982 FIFA World Cup Finals in Spain, guiding Italy to a famous triumph with six goals in their final three matches. Born on the 23rd of September 1956 in Prato in Italy, Rossi was blessed with tremendous goal-scoring instincts that helped net him a total of nine goals in 14 FIFA World Cup matches. At the tender age of 21, Rossi began his FIFA World Cup career at the 1978 finals in Argentina. He made an immediate impact, scoring the equalizing goal in Italy's 2-1 victory against France. In the Azuri's 3-1 win against Hungary, he opened the scoring with a poacher's goal after Ferenc Mazaros failed to hold Marco Tardelli's deflected shot. Italy secured top spot in their group with an impressive 1-0 victory against the hosts, 
In the 67th minute, Rossi set up Roberto Bataglia for the only goal of the game. In the second round, Rossi's vital goal against Austria won Italy a place in the semi-finals against 1974 runners-up, the Netherlands. Despite a brave effort, Italy lost 2-1, succumbing to a memorable long-range goal from Ari Hahn. Despite the defeat, Rossi could reflect positively on an excellent tournament. Italy arrived at the 1982 FIFA World Cup Finals in Spain as outsiders to win the famous trophy. Enzo Biersot's team included Rossi, who had recently returned from a two-year suspension imposed after a bribery scandal. This was a chance for the young striker to redeem his reputation. The Italians started the tournament slowly. A 1-1 draw against Cameroon sent the Azzurri through, but only by virtue of scoring one more goal than the African newcomers. In their second round group, Italy showed signs of improvement, beating the defending champions Argentina. However, for the fourth consecutive match, Rossi failed to score. Despite calls for him to be dropped, Bierzo gave Pablito one last chance against a supremely gifted Brazilian team that included Falcao, Zico and Socrates. There was no doubt Brazil had class, but in what turned out to be his finest hour, Rossi stole the limelight with a stunning hat-trick. He showed great opportunism to put Italy ahead with a neat downward header. Only five minutes had been played. But predictably, the lead did not last. Zico released Brazil's captain Socrates, who beat Dino Zoff at his near post for the equaliser. The Brazilian fans looked forward to their team taking control, but Rossi had different ideas. In the 25th minute, he latched onto Cerezo's careless back pass before thumping his shot past Valdir Perez. Brazil responded well, and midway into the second half, Falcao's left foot shot beat Dino's off, and the match was level again. Rossi was not to be denied, though, and in the 74th minute scored a goal that typified his perfect positioning and innate opportunism. Rossi's hat-trick helped Italy to a significant victory. They were now being looked upon as favourites for the trophy. In the semi-final against Poland, Rossi took his tally of goals for the tournament to five. A simple touch was enough to give Italy the lead. The second goal was far more polished. Rossi was the hero yet again, steering his side to a 2-0 win and their first final since 1970. The final, in Madrid's Bernabeu Stadium, matched a resurgent Italy against two-time winners, West Germany. 
following an evenly contested first half that included a missed Italian penalty, Rossi was again the inspiration. In the 56th minute, Italy's number 20 got on the end of Gentile's centre before placing the ball past goalkeeper Harald Schumacher from close range. Further goals from Tardelli and Altabelli gave the Azzurri a 3-1 win and their first FIFA World Cup triumph since 1938. Rossi helped catapult Italy to glory, finishing the tournament's top scorer with six goals. Widely regarded as one of the best strikers of all time, Rossi was the hero of Italy's triumphant 1982 FIFA World Cup campaign. He will be remembered as a very special player, blessed with a goal-scoring instinct that was second to none. Yes, most certainly and most definitely, his goal-scoring instinct was second to none. Paolo Rossi, the true legend of Italian football. The next FIFA classic player we'll be looking at is Argentine striker, nicknamed El Matado. Who is this person? That is Mario Kempis. And how he led host Argentina to win the 1978 World Cup. I'll tell you more about Mario Kempis. Mario Alberto Kempis. G.O.D. was born 15th July 1954. He's an Argentine former professional footballer who played as a striker. His father, Mario, also a footballer, inspired him to play from a young age. At the age of seven, he began playing with a junior team, and at 14, he joined the Talares Reserves. A prolific goal scorer at club level, he is best known for playing for Valencia, finishing at, as La Liga's top goal scorer twice and amassing 116 goals in 184 league games for the club. At international level, Kempis was a focal point of Argentina's 1978 World Cup win, where he scored twice in the final and received the Golden Boots as a top scorer. He also won the Golden Ball for player of the tournament, making him one of only three players to have won all three awards at a single World Cup, along with Garincha in, Garincho in 1962 and Paolo Rossi, whom we just featured in 1982. Kempis won the South American Footballer of the Year, Onzi Dor, European Footballer of the Year, and World Cup Golden Ball in 1978. In 2004, he was named as one of top 125 greatest living footballers as part of FIFA's 100th anniversary celebration. Kempis, nicknamed El Toro or and El Matado. His international career. During his club career, he won 43 caps for Argentina and scored 20 times. He represented his, his country, Argentina, in three World Cups, namely 
1974, 1978, and 1982, winning the competition in 1978. He was a leading goal scorer in the 1978 tournament, scoring six goals in three braces, the first of two Argentinas' first semifinal group stage match against Poland, another two against Peru, and the last two of these goals in the final against the Netherlands, which Argentina won 3-1. His second goal in the 105th minute was the game winner in extra time. However, in that same tournament, he notoriously stopped a goal with his hand in a second-round match against Poland. This resulted in a penalty kick that was promptly saved by fellow. His goals in the 1978 FIFA World Cup were his last for Argentina at the age of just 23. In 1978, he was named South American Footballer of the Year. He was also named by Pelé as one of the top 125 greatest living footballers in March 2004. I love something about Kempis. He's also a master of the microphone, just like yours truly, Philip Lalimo. He currently works as a football analyst and commentator in, in Spanish for ESPN Spanish language version. Moreover, he is as well, as well as Fernando Palermo and Ciro Procona provide the commentary in Latin American version of the FIFA franchise video games for FIFA 2013, FIFA 2014, FIFA 15, FIFA 16, FIFA 17, FIFA 18, FIFA 19, and FIFA 2020. For lovers of the video game, I'm sure the commentary that you hear in Latin America, yes, that is the voice of Mario Kempes. Tonight on the FIFA World Cup show and the FIFA Classic Player Series, is a second player who has paved the way for us to have the beautiful game that is it. Let's hear more about the story of Mario Kempis. With the exception of Diego Maradona, nobody shines brighter than Mario Kempis in Argentina's star-studded football firmament. Born in Cordoba in Argentina on the 15th of July in 1954, Kempes was the hero of Argentina's 1978 FIFA World Cup triumph. Nicknamed El Matador, he was the darling of the home fans and finished the tournament as top goalscorer. Mario Kempes made his debut at the 1974 finals in West Germany at the tender age of 20. Argentina had a strong squad, but failed to live up to expectation. They finished the bottom of their second round group, winning just one of their six matches. Kempes was unable to make his presence felt, failing to score in the tournament. Four years later, Argentina's coach, Cesar Luis Menotti, opted not to pick teenage prodigy Diego Maradona for his FIFA World Cup squad and limited himself to expatriates. 
Among them was a striker honing his skills in Spain with Valencia. Affectionately known as El Matador, Mario Kempis would be the star of the tournament. Argentina strolled through their first round group with wins against Hungary and France. Mario Kempis failed to score, but in the first of Argentina's second round matches, he came into his own. Argentina's 2-0 victory against a talented Polish team was thanks largely to Kempis, who opened the scoring in the 16th minute with a superb near-post header. Seven minutes before half-time, Kempes made another important contribution. He kept Argentina's lead intact by punching Gregor Zlato's header off the line, but in the process gave away a penalty. To the delight of the home crowd, Polish captain Kazimierz Denar saw his weak spot kick easily saved by Ubaldo Filon. In the 71st minute, Kempes completed a 2-0 victory for the hosts by dragging the ball past his marker and shooting low past Polish goalkeeper Jan Tomaszowski. Following Brazil's 3-1 win against Poland, the hosts needed to win by three clear goals while scoring at least four against Peru. The Peruvians were unwilling to go down without a fight and almost took an early lead when Juan José Munante hit the post. Almost inevitably, man of the moment Mario Kempes broke the deadlock in the 21st minute with an instinctive finish. Alberto Tarantini extended Argentina's lead by diving here two minutes before half-time. One minute into the second half, Kempes played a neat 1-2 before volleying in his second and Argentina's third. Four minutes later, Luque's diving header gave the hosts the all-important fourth goal. René Hausmann scored with his first touch for Argentina's fifth, and Luque completed a 6-0 route in the 72nd minute, securing Argentina a place in the FIFA World Cup final against the Netherlands. The Monumental Stadium in Buenos Aires was awash with ticker tape, and the stage was set for Kempis to fulfil his dream. The Dutch started the match brightly and Argentina were grateful to goalkeeper Ubaldo Filol, who pulled off a wonderful save from Johnny Rep's close-range strike. Argentina took the lead seven minutes before half-time, with an opportunistic goal from who else but Mario Kempes. The Netherlands played the better football in the second half, and were rewarded for their efforts in the 82nd minute when substitute Dick Naninga headed in René van der Kerkhoff's right-wing cross. Kempes was not to be denied, and in extra time he restored the host lead. Argentina's best player stormed through the heart of the Dutch defence with one of his strong gutsy runs, and although his first shot was saved, Kempes bundled the ball home at the second attempt. Four minutes before the end of extra time, Kempes played in Bettoni, who struck the ball in from point-blank range. Kempes was the instrumental force in a famous 3-1 triumph, and his exploits in the latter stages of the tournament made him the tournament's top scorer.
The final chapter in Mario Kempes' FIFA World Cup career was a disappointing one. Despite high hopes, Argentina exited the 1982 tournament at the second round stage, following defeats to Italy and Brazil. Mario Kempes' name is etched in FIFA World Cup history, following his memorable performances during the 1978 finals in Argentina. He scored a total of six goals in seven matches, and in Diego Maradona's words was, the man who put Argentinian football on the map. Definitely, that's the man who put Argentinian football on the map. And on the FIFA World Cup show, we just relieved the flair and panache of the great Argentine striker, Mario Kempis, nicknamed El Matado, who led the host Argentina to glory at the 1978 World Cup. The third person we'll be looking at on our FIFA World Cup Classic Player Series. This English football legend and ambassador of the beautiful game, Sir Bobby Charlton. Who is Sir Bobby Charlton? I'll be telling you more about him shortly. Sir Bobby Charlton was a decisive player throughout the 1960s for the Three Lions and an integral member of his country's 1966 FIFA World Cup, England winning side. Sir Bobby Charlton, born 11th October 1937, is an English former footballer who played as a midfielder, considered one of the greatest players of all time. He was a member of the England team that won the 1966 FIFA World Cup, the year he also won the Ballon d'Or. He played almost all of his club football at Manchester United, where he became renowned for his attacking instincts, his passing abilities from the midfield, and his ferocious long-range shots, as well as his fitness and stamina. He was cautioned only twice in his career. Wow, that is impressive. Discipline, like I always say, is everything. Discipline leads to habit, and habit leads to consistency. And consistency leads to growth. And I'm not surprised, Sir Bobby Charlton has been one of the most outstanding ambassadors of the beautiful game in England. And on this show, like I've always admonished, I admonish my listeners and my cherished audience to always aspire to the peak and the zenith of whatever you are doing. Just like Sir Bobby Charlton. Once against Argentina, he was cautioned in the 1966 World Cup, and his second and only caution in football was against Chelsea. His elder brother, Jake, was also in the World Cup winning team, was a former defender for Leeds United and international manager. Born in Ashton, Charlton made his debut for the Manchester United first team in 1956, and over the next two seasons, gained a regular place in the team, during which he survived the Munich air disaster of 1958 after being rescued by Harry Gregg. Charlton is the last surviving person of that crash. After helping United win the Football League First Division in 1965, 
he won another first division title with Manchester United in 1967. In 1968, he captained Manchester United team that won the European Cup, scoring two goals in the final to help them become the first English club to win the competition. He was named in the England squad for four World Cups, namely the 1958, 1962, 1966, and 1970. Though he did not play in the first, at the time of his, of his retirement from England team in 1970, he was the nation's most capped player, having turned out 106 times at the highest level. As, of, as at November 2019, his record had been surpassed by only six players. That should tell you how much impact Sir Bobby Charlton had on the beautiful game in England. Charlton was both Manchester United and England's long-time record goal scorer and United's all-time record appearance maker, as well as briefly England's all-time appearance maker as well, until Bobby Moore took over his 106 caps in 1973. His appearance record of 758 for Manchester United took until 2008 to be beaten when Ryan Giggs did so in that, in that year's Champions League final against Chelsea in Moscow. With 249 goals, he is currently Manchester United's second highest all-time goal scorer after his record was surpassed by Wayne Rooney in 2017. What a great man. He took until 2017 for his goal record to be broken by Wayne Rooney. He's also the second highest goal scorer for England after his record of 49 goals, which was held until 2015, was again surpassed by Wayne Rooney. He left Manchester United to become a manager of Pristine North End for the 1973 and 1974 season. He changed to become a player manager the following season. He, he next accepted a post as director with Wigan Athletic, then became a, man, a member of Manchester United's board of directors in 1984. A tremendous ambassador for English football, Sir Bobby Charlton was a decisive player throughout the 1960s for the Three Lions and an integral member of his country's 1966 FIFA World Cup winning team. Let's relieve the journey of Sir Bobby Charlton in his impact on the beautiful game. Sir Bobby Charlton is widely regarded as one of the greatest players of his generation. Born on the 11th of October in 1937 in Ashington, England, Charlton was respected the world over for his outstanding ability and is one of football's true ambassadors. He possessed a fierce shot and his remarkable 49 goals in 106 internationals are an English record and one that any striker in world football will be proud of. Charlton scored on his international debut on the 19th of April in 1958 against Scotland at Hampton Park. 
His performance was enough to win him a place in England's 1958 FIFA World Cup score. England exited the 1958 tournament after a first-round playoff defeat to the Soviet Union. Charlton failed to make a single appearance, but the experience would serve him well in years to come. By 1962, Charlton was firmly established in the national team and scored his first FIFA World Cup goal in England's 3-1 win against Argentina. Despite looking like the best outside left in the competition, Charlton could not prevent England succumbing to the individual brilliance of Brazil's Garincha. A 3-1 quarter-final defeat to the eventual winners of the competition was no disgrace, however, and Charlton would experience the sweet taste of success four years later. The year 1966 is one that lives in the memory of every English football fan. At the height of his talents, Charlton was the focal point of England's one and only FIFA World Cup winning team. By now, Charlton had moved into a central midfield role, orchestrating the play between defence and attack. After a goalless draw in their opening match against Uruguay, Charlton kick-started England's campaign with one of the best long-range goals in the history of the tournament. This wonder goal set up a 2-0 victory against Mexico. England made light work of progressing to the semi-finals, and Charlton was 90 minutes away from fulfilling a boyhood dream, participating in a FIFA World Cup final. Portugal provided tough opposition, due largely to the talents and goals of their star player, Eusebio. Charlton was not to be denied, and he turned in his finest performance of the tournament. His clever runs and excellent passes created gaps for his teammates to exploit. And when he found himself in front of goal, he didn't disappoint. A calm finish from England's midfield maestro gave them a 1-0 first-half lead. With 11 minutes of the match remaining, England secured victory with a trademark goal from Charlton, his second of the match. Despite a late goal from Eusebio, England won 2-1, and to the delight of the home fans made their first FIFA World Cup final. Wembley provided the perfect backdrop for Charlton and his teammates to show off their talents. Their opponents were West Germany, and this would turn out to be one of the best finals in FIFA World Cup history. With seconds of the 90 minutes remaining, England led 2-1, and an expectant home crowd were on course for a famous triumph. However, Weber's last gasp strike forced the match into extra time, and the disappointment on Charlton was clear to see. To their credit, England regrouped. With Charlton's drive and determination, they remained favourites to secure victory. In the hundredth minute of an enthralling match, Jeff Hurst's stunning shot hit the underside of the crossbar and bounced down. 
Charlton was first to appeal that the ball had crossed the line and first to celebrate when the Russian referee awarded the controversial goal. England went on to win 4-2, prompting Franz Beckenbauer to concede that England beat us in 1966 because Bobby Charlton was just a bit better than me. In 1970, England travelled to Mexico as defending champions, and at the age of 32, Charlton was a central figure. As an inside right, his role had become more defensive, yet no less important. After the group stage had been successfully negotiated, England faced West Germany in the quarterfinals. With England leading 2-1, manager Alf Ramsey decided to substitute Bobby Charlton. This was a decision he would later regret, as West Germany came from behind to win 3-2 in extra time. The 1970 FIFA World Cup was to be Charlton's swan song in England colours, as he announced his retirement after the final whistle in Leon. Since his retirement from club football in 1973, Charlton has maintained a high standing in the game, most notably as a prestigious member of the FIFA Football Committee. His efforts have earned him recognition around the globe. He remains an ambassador for the game and a true footballing great. That is the story of Sir Bobby Charlton. What a player, what a legend, what an ambassador for the beautiful game of football. The last but not the least of FIFA World Cup classic player will be looking at is Fritz Walter. We'll be taking a look back at the 1954 FIFA World Cup and the captain who guided Germany to their first World Cup trophy. And who is Fritz Walter? Yes, this is your most educative and informative sports show on the calling platform. I'm here to give you all the details that you need. Frederick, Frederick. Fritz Welter was born 31st of October 1920 and died 17th June 20, 2002. Was a German footballer who spent his entire senior career at Kaiserslautern. He usually played as an attacking midfielder or inside forward. In his time with the German national team, he appeared in 61 games and scored 33 goals and was captain of the team that won the 1954 FIFA World Cup. Walter was exposed to football early with his parents working at a Kaiserslautern restaurant. By 1928, he had joined Kaiserslautern Youth Academy and he made his first team debut at 17, continuing his association with the club at professional level. At international level, Walter debuted with the German national team in 1940 and scored a hat trick against Romania. Tonight, let's learn more and look back and the man who led Germany to the World Cup, commonly known as the miracle of Bern. Let's look back at the international career of Fritz Walter.
Born on the 31st of October in 1920 in Kaiserslautern, Fritz Walter was the driving force in West Germany's famous FIFA World Cup triumph in 1954. Operating as an attacking midfielder, he scored three goals in 11 FIFA World Cup matches. Valtar was an inspirational captain and one of the most respected players of his generation. Fritz Valtar made his long-awaited FIFA World Cup debut at the 1954 finals in Switzerland. Aged 33, he was an established member of the German team and keen to make an impression on the world's biggest stage. West Germany started the tournament well beating Turkey 4-1. However, in their next match, they fielded an under-strength side and suffered an embarrassing defeat. Sandor Kopsic inspired Hungary to an incredible 8-3 victory, scoring four goals. In the must-win playoff match against Turkey, West Germany showed their class and captain Fritz Falter was inspirational throughout. He scored his first goal of the tournament in the 62nd minute, placing the ball into the back of the net from close range. Prolific striker Max Morlock completed this hat-trick in the 77th minute, securing an impressive 7-2 victory for the Germans. Despite much criticism, Sepp Herberger's strategy of resting some of his better players against Hungary had paid off. West Germany progressed to the quarterfinals. At the Charmillet Stadium in Geneva, they faced a tough test against a talented Yugoslavian team. West Germany started the match brightly and had Yugoslavian defender Ivan Horvat to thank for their opening goal. From then on, they were thankful to goalkeeper Tony Turek, who pulled off a string of fine saves. The Germans defended in numbers, hitting their opponents with quick and incisive counter-attacks. Helmut Rahm sealed a hard-fought 2-0 victory in the 85th minute with a final finish. West Germany had booked a place in the semi-finals, and they celebrated the last time. Against Austria, West Germany started where they had left off against Yugoslavia with a devastating display of attacking football. Yet again, Baltar was the driving force, setting up the first for Hans Schaefer in the 31st minute and the second for Max Morlock in the 47th. In the second half, Valtar scored his second goal in the finals from the penalty spot and then set up his brother, Osmar Valtar, for West Germany's fourth. With his team strolling to victory, German coach Sepp Herberger was given a scare midway into the second half when his captain suffered a worrying injury. To everyone's relief, Valtar was back on his feet in no time, driving his team forward. 
His next foray towards the Austrian goal resulted in referee Vincenzo Orlandini awarding West Germany a penalty. Once again, he picked himself up to convert his second penalty of the game. Otmar Valtar completed an unexpected but nevertheless deserved 6-1 victory in the 89th minute. The final in Bern produced one of the most incredible matches in the tournament's history. West Germany avenged their 8-3 defeat to Hungary in the group stages with a famous victory. Fritz Valtar inspired an unlikely upset, with West Germany coming from two goals down to beat the mighty Magyars 3-2. Helmut Rahn grabbed the winning goal with a superb finish in the 85th minute. The victory restored national pride after the horrors of conflict, and Fritz Walter became the first German captain to lift the Jules Rimet trophy. Four years after the miracle of Bern, Valtar was persuaded to come out of retirement to help West Germany retain their title. By this time, he had lost the captaincy to Hans Schaefer, but remained West Germany's most influential player. At the age of 37, Valtar helped West Germany to the semi-finals, a match they eventually lost 3-1 to the hosts. A crunching tackle by Swedish midfielder Sigvard Parling ended Valtar's international career and with it his team's hopes. A sporting ambassador for Germany's re-emergence into the world community, Fritz Valtar is a footballing legend in his own right. A FIFA World Cup winner in 1954, he was the embodiment of fair play and sportsmanship and will remain an inspiration to future generations. Most definitely, this show is to inspire the current and future generations. I hope as we mark the Yulitai and we race towards the last few days of 2021, you will all be inspired by your dreams and aspirations to keep pressing on, to keep pushing on. As always, it's been great. It's been exciting coming your way with today's episode of the FIFA World Cup show and the last of our series for the FIFA World Cup Classic Player. Until same time, tomorrow, stay blessed, keep safe. It's bye for now.